uh, welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today. Huge amount of people getting involved in our conversation about uh, GAA Go and a lot of people very, very cross uh, about it. It almost mirrors exactly the conversation that we had earlier on this year about uh, GAA Go, but it appears they're not returning in any way on that uh, 083 311 <laughs> It's Christmas in Thales. And that's your cue to call where our promotion is uh, concerned because, of course, we're celebrating the fact that Christmas is fantastic for shopping in Thurles. We have two vouchers to give away for Lenan's carry-out uh, off-licence on Liberty Square in Thurles and uh, the Boomerang Country Store on the Dublin Road as well. So that's your cue to call 083 311 or indeed you can speak to Emma on 1800 938 00 now, Mansur al-Daifi is a Yemeni who uh, was held without charge in the United States Guantanamo Bay detention camp in Cuba from February the 9th, 2002 to July 11, 2016. He was only 18 at the time of his incarceration. He's in Ireland to, to promote his book, Don't Forget Us Here, and to promote the Close Guantanamo uh, campaign. And I'm delighted to say that he joins me in studio. Mansur, good morning to you. Uh, first of all, I would like to greet the Irish people. I would to say in the Yemen, in the Yemeni tribal greeting, I would say, Salam alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Ya hala wa marhaba. Arhibu, hayakum Allah. Ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaba. Malyun arhibu, arhibu, arhibu. This is a Yemeni uh, greeting to the I Irish people. It. Yeah. I love it. What, <laughs> yeah. what should I respond to that, Mansour? Uh, basically, it said, peace uh, peace be upon you all. And like, right. welcome and welcome. This like how we greet each other in Yemen. Like, this is also when you uh, greet uh, my tribe. So <laughs> Very good. It's so, it's so colorful, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It, it is just just very, wonderful. like, very, very welcoming. So I was, I also, I would like to first, before we start, I would like to thank you for having me here today. I would like to thank the Irish people. And very hospitable and very kind, nice people. And I would like to thank the Irish government. I'd like to thank especially the Claire Daly and Mick Wallace for for getting me this opportunity to come to Ireland and to speak about the closure of Guantanamo and also on the book tour. So my my main mission here is to talk about the closure of Guantanamo, which was I have been advocating since I was in Guantanamo. So I am. Mm. And, and we'd love to hear the story because there's such mystery surrounding Guantanamo. But would you take me back a little, though? Um, you 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 came from Yemen, did you not, to Afghanistan? Why why did you do that? Uh, in short words, I was uh, uh, on a research mission. I was I was in a, a researcher uh, assistant, basically at, at, the, at the age of eighteen, to uh, do some research on the new groups Al Qaeda and Taliban and so and so on. So one of the Yemeni Institute went to uh, the head of Yemen Institute went to, to write a book about the new groups. Uh, mm. at that time it's like at that time there was no Google, no Facebook, no reference, nothing. You have to go there by yourself, collect information, facts, and so on. And as you know, what does it, what, what does it take to take um, to write a book? So I was in my I, when I finished my high school, I wanted to go to study in one of the Gulf countries to study computer science, mm. and so in exchange. To help this institute for the research, I would get scholarship in return. So right. I said, yeah, why not? I would do. I would do it because we had only one private college for uh, computer science, and oh. it was very expensive. So I, the the institute would give like free scholarship in United Arab Emirates. I said, I want to take that. So job. this was an opportunity for yes. you. What happened in Afghanistan? Then? What happened in Afghanistan? The the moment you go to Afghanistan, there you you see you you, you feel your time like one thousand year back mm-hmm. because 
the Soviet invasion, the civil war, the country like in total devastation. The only things that connected to the modern life, motorcycles and cars, that's it. You know, the severity, the, the devastation, the, you know, the destroyed vehicles mm. there. Mm. So you are totally disconnected from the rest of the world. There is no TVs, nothing. People will have like those radios, mm. listen to the news, that's it. So when 9-11 happened, we didn't know three days later, and we were in the restaurant and someone said there is an attack on the United States. We didn't pay atten- much attention mm. to it because... This was 9-11, of course. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. So basically, and uh, the, our contact point in Afghanistan was like a Soviet charity organization. And he said, we have to leave because they get some instruction that you need to look with everything and leave. Mm. So I, I wanted to help those guys to to get rid of the stuff they have for medical, medicine, you know, like logistic stuff. So we were ambushed one, by one of the warlords. They wanted to ransom from the church organization. Then when the U.S. airplane arrived in uh, invaded Afghanistan, those airplanes started uh, throwing leaflets, offering large bounties for anyone who can bring Arabs or Taliban or Al-Qaeda. So what happened? You know, the, for those people, this opportunity is a life-changing deal. So one of the warlords when he when he heard about us he came and he took us from the the, the younger one the, the the not the younger the 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 smaller warlord yes and he sold me to the cia as al-qaeda commander and an insider and if you can look here yes look look at the foot in the middle what right so they sold you as being a uh, taliban member no no no, it? no 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 they i was sold to be al-qaeda commander and insider at age of 18 they said you are an egyptian you are mid you are you are an egyptian named adil and you are Al-Qaeda, you, like, you, are in mid- you are in like 30s. And I told him, no, I am Mansour, I'm from Yemen. I am only 18 years old. So right. I was taken to the black side to the, from, by the CIA. By the way, you see at the photo here. And right, so s- the American, ju- just for a listen, the American CIA then took you as yeah. being possibly a member of Al-Qaeda. Not, Is that it? But they were collecting anyone. They were just anybody, yes. Anybody, basically. Okay. So if, you, if you're there and you tell them this guy is Al-Qaeda, they get paid, they take you. So okay. basically, after 15 years, what they said here, and if he actually joined Al-Qaeda. This is the, the government assessment. And right. they, they refused to say, we made a mistake. And according to the uh, American Civil Liberty Union, SALU, that 85, 86% of the prisoners of Guantanamo were either a mistaken identity or sold for bounty. Which, They're based, based on the government document. Okay, but uh, just just come back for me now. So, okay, you were, the CIA have you. Did you go straight? Were you brought straight to Guantanamo? Uh, no, point? I was kept three months in the black site in Afghanistan. Yes, uh, uh, under like. And the black site is what? Black site is it's a death, it's a black death basically. I was stay three months naked, hanged, inter- intensive interrogation, all kind of torture, waterboarding, beatings, no sleep at all. Almost like I I, I saw death. They used to beat me in a barrel like this. And they ruled that they would shoot like they would with guns. When I heard the, the, the shooting, I was like, I'm done. So you thought you were going to be killed? Uh, yes, exactly. So sometimes they would like flit with, with water and mercy me, like push right. me, like until I just right. come from conscious. And, and, and just to get it out of the way, um, you had nothing to do with Al Qaeda at any they time? They knew that they have nothing to do with Al Qaeda or Taliban, you know. When they came to, to interrogate me, they said, like, you are, you did money laundering, you traveled to uh, Malaysia, to, uh, they said you are involved in bombing in Africa. They, they were, the profile they have is like a, someone from Egypt. I'm, I'm from Yemen. I was only 18, I turned 19 in the black side. I was born 12, 12, 18, 18, uh, 1982. Mm-hmm. So from there, after three months, I was, they moved me to Kandahar prison. Then I spent around like 25 days. 
then they moved me to uh, Guantanamo. Guantanamo, you know, if we jump to Guantanamo, uh, dear uh, listeners, buckle up because we are going to fly to Guantanamo. Don't worry, there will be no shackles, no orange suits, mm. nothing, you'll be safe. Guantanamo was created in 2002, mm. outside of the legal system, outside of our, outside of the law, outside mm. of our humanity. It's like a black hole within a military base. Mm. So no rules, nothing apply at Guantanamo, not international treaties, not, not Geneva Convention, not the Cuba law, not the American law, nothing right. applies there. So there can be torture, there can be... You, can be, you have no whatever. rights there. You, yes. Like, you didn't have a right to live. They control everything in your now life. Th- this has been acknowledged because Obama promised to, to close yeah, Guantanamo. Yeah, but he but failed because... He the failed. Con- yes, yes, basically, when, when we arrived at, at Guantanamo, like, I came encounter with the Irish... Irish people, in, not in in uh, in in person. Yes. The first month when we arrived, we arrived camp X-ray. It's literally like fence and cement cages, like worse than animals. Even animals won't survive there. Ten people. We were uh, we when we arrived, there was like ten people in one in in, in like separated cages. So there was really mistreatment, torture, beatings. We weren't allowed to talk, we weren't allowed to stand, we weren't allowed to do anything. So what what should we do? We said, hey, people, we start protesting, like throwing stuff. No, and they said, we have to go on hunger strike. And the first time I heard about the hunger strike, what's hunger strike? They said, well, Gandhi and the Irish guys, like, who is the Irish guy? They said, well, the Irish guys went on hunger strike for, for 10 days, for the 10 of them or 12 of them went on hunger yes. strike, but they all died. I said, no, I don't want to die. So then we end up. But you did, you did go on hunger we strike. We went on hunger strike for years. I spent three years on force feeding means yes. some people who spent. Tell, th- tell me about that because I was reading about that. Tell me about the force feeding. Yeah. Uh, we will get to, to it later. Let's talk yeah. about the, the, when we arrived at Guantanamo, 800 men and children arrived at Guantanamo. The youngest prisoner was a few months old, the oldest was 105 years old. So you have 50 nationalities, more than 20 languages spoken. Those men, as I told you, what the, based on the government document, they were brought from different parts of the world. When the United States announced a global war and terror, they were, you know, their core rendition was the kidnapping. Mm. People mm. from Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iran, United Arab Emirates, Mauritania, Bosnia, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, Africa, different countries. Um, Malaysia, all, all thrown together. Uh, they will just bring in people from different wow. parts of the world. And how many people are we talking about? How many we're people about were like in? Seven hundred seventy-nine men and children. Right. There were sixty children w- w- with us. In, right. in, in, in and you say the torture continued. What were they asking you? What did they want from you? You know, they didn't know what they want from us. Basically, they they have no profile. They have no information. Nothing. They went like, "Where is Sam Laden? Where is the nuclear bomb? Where is the dirty bomb?" Like it's kind of like bunch of files and photos and beatings mm. and you have different uh, intelligence agencies the FBI the CIA, CIA NSA Homeland Security military intelligence all kind of, of, of stuff it was up until 2003 mm. it was a turning point in Guantanamo when someone arrived and I think you guys familiar with the name General Jeffrey Miller yes, yes. he was he is a worker now that man before he's the architect of Abu, Abu Ghraib in, in, in Iraq yes. and the torture and abuse before he was sent to Iraq he was in Guantanamo and he started an, a torture program at Guantanamo if you go now if you uh, google now uh, Guantanamo America's Battle Lab how that's also a research done by Seton Hall Law University how the military American military Turn Guantanamo and experimenting on prisoners. 84 pages talk about how they use Guantanamo as experimenting on prisoners. Right. 
interrogation. And he drove this. He, 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 no, he uh, the, the, the torture memo was approved by um, Darren Rumsfeld, yes. but he started developing the torture program. And the, the America's Better Lab is a research about how Guantanamo turned to be an experimenting on prisoners. And the United States... And what, what sort of experiments? You know, that experiment we're talking about psychologists who are supervised everything, interrogator, interrogators, uh, um, um, advisors, consultant, they were, they said we are facing a new enemy. We need to know how to interrogate them, how to extract information that would save people on the field, how they talk, how they negotiate, how to recruit them, how to understand the mindset because it was the perfect place if you look from their perspective. Why? Because it is totally disconnected from the world. It's mm. like a black hole. Yeah. There is no accountability. There is no rules applied there. Uh, and at the same time, you have all kind of Muslim mindset. You have all kind of category of age. From I told you, the youngest was three months old. The oldest was 105 years old. All kind of nationalities, 50 nationalities. So they divided Quantanamo into different camps. Each camp have different rules, and everything was done under the supervision of psychologists and consultant advisors. It's so, amazing. You you admitted guilt at one point, didn't you? Was that under under torture? Uh, uh, you know, like when I was in the black side, I would tell them whatever they want because there is. The, the problem was giving the details. Yes. Like you didn't have, you can make, you cannot make the details. But there is no. They want you to to say, yeah, well, I was Al Qaeda, I was that person. Now the details, you didn't have the details. Now the the, the torture would go to the second level. So, after three months, I think they figure out I wasn't the, the, their guy. I was sent to Guantanamo, and Guantanamo the same thing. That every year, uh, every six month or one year, a new interrogation, a new interrogation were arrived, a new. Uh, uh, rules that the, the yes. camp SOP that also written by General Jeffrey Miller is like uh, uh, SOP means standard operation procedure we call it as prison we call it shit on paper basically so that rules change in average of every two weeks and they would br bring uh, new guards new interrogators to train them how to interrogate how to communicate with prisoners how to you, you know all kind of things so and and the the torture was extreme, including waterboarding, which we've all seen on TV now on various different programs. And it looks horrendous. Did you go through that? We most of us went through that, like waterboarding, beating, but, slip deprivation. But you think you're drowning? You think you're? I mean, you know, there was like doctors, were or doctors or nurses there, and they do conducted the, the torture. They just make sure they they won't won't die. And when, before we talk about even Guantanamo, let's talk about the black sites mm. where no one knows exactly how many people in prison died there. Many people died in the black sites. Even Gor Rahman, one of the Afghanis who died there and the CIA refused to return his body. He was a taxi driver. And, you know, the senator shared reports on like 1,000 pages. And, you know, while one of the most tortured prisoner in the CIA history, it's called Abu Zubaydah. If you Google Abu Zubaydah, you will find how he how he was tortured. The CIA contracted two psychologists. They get paid around like four hundred million dollar to develop what they call enhanced interrogation technique. One one factor, one really factor uh, important in the in that game, uh, what they call it, uh, global war on terror. We call it actually war of terror. So, it the manipulation of the ter terminology. So. What they call the kidnapping of people from different parts, they call it rendition. Enhanced interrogation technique, they call it uh, torture, they call it enhanced interrogation technique. You see, it sounds sweet, right? It's actually torture when you look at it. When you look at, at prisoners, they call them detainees because mm -hmm. they, they will, Geneva Convention want to include them. Uh, prison, um, they call it like detention. Force feeding and hunger strike, they call it 
you know, assisting feeding. And the, the hunger strike, they didn't call it a hunger strike. They call it non-religious fasting. And some of us spent on hunger strike 5, 7, 10, 15 years on force feeding. The force feeding, we, uh, you asked, they would bring a thick tube. They will let us like starve for some of our 60 days, 50 days, until I was taken 2013 to the intensive care unit, which almost died. And three days they revived me. Then they start putting the thick tube through my nose to my stomach, and they would force and feed me at least twice a day. In 2006 was one of the worst years at, at Guantanamo. And that year, that year, we were in hunger. The force feeding started in 2002. I told you when we started the hunger strike. Yes. In 2006, again, we went a massive hunger strike by the end of 2005. 2006, a new group arrived at Guantanamo. New doctors, new administration, and one person, I think that our uh, listeners would recognize him. His name is Ron DeSantis. Mm, sure. Ron DeSantis, he was in Guantanamo, and he was the jack officer, the, the legal advisor, or the one who, when he came to talk to us at first, he said, mm. I'm here to ensure that you guys are treated humanely. After a few weeks later, they used the force feeding as a mean of torture. And that man was there. After after he was there, he went to Iraq, uh, v- v- Fallujah, and we all know what happened there. Yeah. Now he's running for the White House to be the president. Indeed. So he's the governor of Florida. Now, Florida, yeah. We 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 talked about him. We did podcasts and so on. And the New York Times published entire article. You know, like tried to discredit my my account. Mm. Not just me who recognized him. There's like other five or four or five prison former prisoners who recognize him. So when you talk, you know, the torture never stopped. Mm. The and besides the waterboarding and the the force feeding and like what, what when you talk about torture what what else I mean was a lot of it psychological torture you know was psych- that... psychological physical and mental torture basically when you, you beat everything 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 at Guantanamo designed right. there to break you they control everything Sartre can find for example you have two meters and two meter and two meters cell half of the cell taken by a bed and you have only one meter by two meters to to walk yes. you know noise very bright light. Very cold, extreme cold or extreme hot. Could you talk to each other? No. In no. you can find they would bring uh, big fans yes. or like uh, that vacuum. noisy. Va- yes. uh, you know, vacuum uh, yes. that noise. And uh, if uh, sometimes they would they would uh, put uh, some stuff in the uh, air condition, the you smell some wicked area yes. because the smell they put there, and that they control twenty four hours basically. Uh, food punishment, sometimes totally naked in ourselves. Uh, w- what about religion? I mean, your Muslim religion was was that was that recognized? Was that respected in any way? You, you know, it wasn't respected until we forced them to do so. Mm. And still, also part of the torture, part of the interrogation was the utilize of the religion to break the prisoners. They would bring um, uh, female to harass prisoners. Some of the interrogate females would take some of their blood and put it in the mm. prisoners' faces. They would take the Holy Quran, put it on their feet, throw it in the toilet, pee on it. So it was all kind, all of that, all of that. Like they need to find how to break you. Some of them do it for for enjoyment. Some of the inter- you know, like what is interesting that some of the interrogators who interrogate us at Guantanamo, they were also interrogating, they were interrogating uh, Vietnam prisoner, uh, Vietnam uh, Vietnam yes. prisoners in, during the Vietnam War, and yet they came to Guantanamo, then they went to Iraq. Right, so they were very experienced. Uh, in, in they were torturers. Was the there system. any attempt within the other detainees to radicalize you, though, in any way? Was there any attempt to do that? Because you obviously had great hatred, I presume, for these people you know, who were 
perpetrating this on you. You know, is. like at the beginning when we, we I, I know nothing. Uh, personally, I know nothing. I didn't, I didn't know much about Americans or America. You know, yeah. it's like something we study in school or something. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, you were seventeen, yeah, eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. basically, but in a place like Guantanamo, I start looking at these Americans because we look at Americans through Guantanamo school. Yes. And the problem too, the Americans look at all Muslims through 9-11 school. And this is a big problem because the media. And one of the things that are interesting, like people do not look before 9-11, how the relationship between Muslims and the United States and Muslims in general, they guess, okay, who did 9-11 are Muslims, you know? And they say like, if you just go back a few days before 9-11, you will understand what the situation was and how the war on terror target Muslims across the globe but the United States. It's not just Muslims, you know, everyone affected by the war on terror. So, places like Guantanamo play breed hate, breed breed garage, you know. Mm. So at Guantanamo, I went through stages, of course, and someone like, I went through fear, anger, hate. It was like going through a dark tunnel. And I was like, it was, I feel like dark inside my heart. But in order to go out of that tunnel, you have to go through it. I live it. I lived it, level by level. Mm. I went through those stages. But Alhamdulillah, I managed to go out of it. I I, I refused to imprison myself. Yes, and I was going st- to ask you about that. I mean, how did you remain mentally strong? I mean, you came in here today, and you're very funny, and <laughs> you're good company, and we yeah. had a laugh, and we yes, had a fun. I'm drinking uh, Emma coffee. Thank you, Emma. Yeah. Well, her coffee is never very good. So what? What can I no, say? No, it's about really that? good. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, how did you? How did you have that mental strength to go through all of that darkness and come out of it like this? That... You know, resist. Resistance is the key. So resistance, it means, because what makes you as a unique person, as an individual, from this like billions of trillions of human beings, what makes you as a unique person is your value, your morals, your ethics, your religion, your name, your memories, your knowledge, your experience, your relationship, your emotions, your nationality, that what makes each of us as a unique individual person. But places like Guantanamo, they turn you, just turn you into just a number. And they would, stri- they would strip everything from who you and are. And you were 411. I've always 441. So when people ask me, I say I'm 441, yeah. yeah. So it is my, I love it, it's my number, so let you know. So when you arrived at Guantanamo in prison, I spent 15 years, around 15 years. Someone asked me a question, said, how did you spend your 20s? And that question really shocked me to my core. Because last year, I was like, I, I just, I said, I don't know. I don't know what 20s means. And I was cried because, you know, I didn't know because that was I was taken from you. Yeah. And there's a lovely part in the book when you, you, you talk about obviously you had no experience of women, for example, because, no. <laughs> because you were so young. And and you, you heard from older guys in, in Guantanamo yeah, and they taking told you stories about, and so on. Yeah, and, yeah, and they yeah. they told you about marriage and all all of that. How did you how did you find out you were you were being allowed out? What what happened there? I mean, let me finish about what I was saying. Like, first of all, I would like to send my regards to a lovely lady I met yesterday. I have dinner with with her family. She's like Laura Collins. Hey, Laura, yes. thank you so much for the dinner. The Irish people are very hospitable people. I love you guys. So basically, like as I told you, the more you stay in prison, the more you are distant from your previous life, and the more your brain would, would start constructing a new memories, a new you, a new life, a new memories, a new relationship. What helped us to survive at Guantanamo? First of all, it was our faith. Because I'm, as a Muslim, we believe everything in the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I remember one day, one of the interrogators used to torture me. And he told me, your file in the our president's desk, you will never hear. And I was like, I was like 19 years old. And I told him, 
I have a question. Do you think if your president got diarrhea, will be able to control his asshole? He said, no. I said, no, he cannot control me. It's like simple, uh, very simple, my, but it's something that's, strong that's behind how it. you kept strong. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So basically what killed us to survive at Guantanamo was we have each other. Yeah. We support each other. Also, there was also the, um, we we have like, since the lawyer came, there were our connection to the world outside. They were like, Because in quantum, we are totally disconnected from the rest of the world. Of course, the yes. only access to humanity and human like the human connection with lawyers, and we we start also resisting. Not everyone, honestly. You can read in the book the red eyes. When I visit the Kilman uh, Kilman uh, prison mm. at the, Invis- the invincible, it's everywhere. You have a group of people in every prison. They would stand. They would fight. They of will course, do they would. Yes. So, yeah. And, and, and apologies because we're almost out of uh, time. But in terms of getting out, then you were told, obviously, one day yeah. you're out of here. Yeah, 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 yeah. In 2015, I was like clear. They have like administrative reviews called PRP, Periodic Review Board. Well, as, as I saw now, and cleared if he actually joined Al Qaeda. And we have we have a debate with them. I said, hey, either say he was Al Qaeda or no. They said no. We can say we detain an innocent man for 15 years. They wow. said, and, and in, my, in the report they said none of Al Qaeda members of Al Qaeda leaders recognize him member of Al Qaeda. My country, the head of Yemeni intelligence, came to Guantanamo. He brought special documents from the government. He said, this guy, he was he. We, we know him because we have like uh, a reference letter to Yemen ambassador in Pakistan. So in short words, Guantanamo is a black hole. Guantanamo stands for, you know, it is implies torture, injustice, lawlessness, abuse of, of power. Mm. So what we are doing now, we are calling for the closure of Guantanamo. But what closing Guantanamo means? Means mm. United States must acknowledge, acknowledge its wrongdoing, must uh, apologize for the victims. There must be reparation and compensation and accountability, accountability, accountability. That's what I'm fighting for. All right, it's it's the most amazing story, man. So you're in Tipperary, um, you're, you're, you're signing your book, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to to book. sign the book, signing, yeah. and we have like a, also another event there. You guys invited to come, please. Very good. That's the Art Center in Nina, isn't yes, it? Do yes. you know what time that's happening at? Uh, I don't know exactly the time, but... I okay, well, we, we, we'll get it from, yeah. from Fergus and from yeah. Emma and we'll put it out uh, later on. The book, by the way, is is called... Um, the book is called Don't Forget Us Here. And I presume it's available in bookshops and it's, it's available, available online uh, as well. It's currently uh, bookstore in Dublin, also online. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm told 8 p.m. Nina Art Center tomorrow. In fact, so it's yeah. tomorrow at uh, yeah. Nina Art Center. Mansoor, it was a real pleasure, real pleasure to meet yeah. you, and thank you so much for coming yeah. in. Yeah. Thank you so and much. We and wish you well. Yeah. I would like to say thank you to the Irish people. I love the country. I love people of the hospitality, and I, you know, I I, I, learned, I have learned a lot for the last few days about the Irish history, resistance, and it actually inspired me a lot. All right. <laughs> thank great, you so much. Great to see you. You look after yourself. Thank, thank you very you. much. And we'll take a break. Back with more in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie